Welcome, ladies, to the Real Estate Investor Show, providing inspiration, strategies, and insight to empower women investors to live balanced and financially free lives. Now, here are your co-hosts, Liz and Andressa. So on today's episode, ladies, we have Kendra Barnes. She's a full-time investor and uh, has been able to leave her nine to five and focus on real estate investing full-time. I think you're going to get so much out of this uh, really real, authentic interview that we have with her today. I think one of the things will be most helpful for you is the strategy that she started early on in terms of house hacking. We've heard of house hacking, uh, but I, I love her actual process and how to do it. Because she, she went from you know living in a, in a single family home that she loved all the space she had to, to house hacking, right? You have to live a little, little bit of a smaller home or apartment with your tenants. And, and, and a lot of people might think you're nuts for doing that. So I love her, not only her strategy, but her thought process and her mindset to do that. So I think you'll get a lot from that conversation today. Yes. And she quote unquote retired at age 32. So we asked her, what was the plan? How were you able to leave your nine to five job? And once you achieved that goal, did you quit that day or you waited a little bit more? And you'd be surprised what she did. TurboTax experts make all your moves count. Filing with 100% accuracy and getting your max refund guaranteed. So whether you started a podcast, side hustled your way to some extra income, flipped a house, or finally bought your first rental property, your moves made a big difference in your life last year. Now it's time to make the most of your moves. Switch to TurboTax and make your moves count. See guarantee details at TurboTax.com guarantees. TurboTax.com guarantees. Experts only available with TurboTax Live. You're trying to close on your next rental, so why is your insurance company dragging its feet? With long lead times and never-ending paper forms, it's no wonder it takes forever to finally get a policy. Modern investors deserve better. They deserve Steadily.com. At Steadily.com, you'll get fast, affordable landlord insurance available online 24-7 in just a few clicks. You can even get next-day coverage, which takes just minutes, by the way, to obtain. And you can do it all from your phone. Steadily was founded by landlords who created insurance products tailored to the unique needs of this industry. It's their sole focus, and that's why landlords nationwide consistently rate them 4.8 out of 5 stars. So whether you've got a single-family, short-term, or multifamily portfolio, Steadily.com can secure the best coverage at the best price to protect your properties. Discover how Steadily can save you both time and money on your rental property insurance. Visit Steadily.com for a commitment-free quote tailored to your needs today. Welcome back, everyone. This is Liz. And this is Andressa. Welcome back to the Real Estate Investor Show, where our mission is to empower women to live a financially free and balanced life. Right, Andressa? That is correct. Whatever balance means to you. We like to say that over and over again, because yes. we know there's no perfect balance, but there's a sense of wanting everything in life as, as women, as investors on this journey, right, of financial freedom. So thanks for being back with us. We so appreciate all of you, amazing women listening and men. We know men like our show too, so that's awesome. But thank you for being back on another episode. We have Kendra Barnes with us today. So excited to jump into her journey, because it is a journey. Uh, she's done some amazing things uh, in terms of her experience with investing. So welcome, Kendra, for, for taking time to be with us here this week. Thank you. Super excited. Yeah, we're going to jump into her story in a moment. As we always like to do, right, Andres, we like to kind of get connected to share something that's coming up for us, because we always have the thought is that if it's coming up for us, 
it's coming up for other women. <laughs> so that may or may not be not true, but that's how we're feeling. And that's why we like to kind of get connected very succinctly with some sort of tip or lesson or something you could take into your life. Right, Andressa? Yeah. So what's going on? So, you know, lately we, um, Andressa and I, uh, you know, we lead a membership and, uh, and it, it's a really great group of women where we do lots of different things. We do masterminding, we do accountability calls. I mean, these women are busy, <laughs> you know, they're, they're busy with the different things they're a part of th- through, our, through our membership. And um, we have a free membership and a paid membership. But I, what I want to share today with all of you is the power of when someone gives you some a suggestion or advice, or they give you something to kind of take in. Uh, and we, we saw this on a recent mastermind call. And I just want to share it with all the women listening, because we all get support in different ways. Right, whether you're at the pool with the kids, or you know, you're talking to a good friend, or you're part of your own accountability group, or wherever you're getting support, where, where other people have your back. And then what ends up happening is you get suggestion. It's like a light bulb that goes on. Right? You go away from the conversation. You actually do it. Right? You actually do what the person suggests or, or recommends, and then you never share with them what happened. You never share. You never go back to them and say thank you so much for sharing that with me or introducing me to that person. And I don't know if it's just the business of life or we forget, or we just, is that really that important? And I, why, why I'm saying this is a woman had shared and she put it up on our community, our private Facebook group and said, based on the call last month, you all really helped me to the fire about putting my will in place, you know? And I've been talking about it for a year. I did it, it's done, thank you so much. And you know what, that was so cool to see because it gave it gives the people who give support this like oh my god it's awesome right you feel you're like cheer, you're cheering them on so I just give that recommendation recommendation everyone listening that when someone gives you support gives you an idea whether it's a formal suggestion like a coach or a mentor or literally it's a friend at the pool circle back with them in some capacity and say thank you I did that and I wanted to share with you the impact you had in that moment you'll make their day. Because people want to give support and they want to know what happened. Yeah. <laughs> so that's what I have for you this this uh, this week. And the worst thing that you can do is nothing with that, <laughs> right? That's, sure. that's, that's basically it. I want to share one quick thing about mastermind because I was part of different types of masterminds. And one of the, the biggest experience that I had once in a conference is that you were receiving the, the advice, the recommendations, and the only thing you were supposed to say is thank you. Instead of, yes, but, but how about, you know, and then your brain goes in that rabbit hole. Oh, yeah, I did it already or whatever it is. So it's just like a yes, thank you. Like, go ahead and move on. And I I can, if you're not following somebody's advice, it's basically because you don't trust that person or you do not believe it. So you have the wrong mentor dead serious about it. Choose another mentor. Because if my mentor says, give two steps to the right and jump three times, and then you roll it, I'm not going to even ask why. I'm just going to do it because I trust the person that is mentoring me. And if I am following it, I need to be a follower. I'm not, I don't need to be that like, ah, but whatever, whatever, whatever. Our brain can go you know, in so many different directions. And the beauty of the mastermind, it's exactly what Liz is saying. You receive the support, you give it a try and good things might happen, right? So it's, and and you give it the feedback and saying, listen, 
And in her case, Liz, remember she had, I think it was July 4th was the, the deadline. She did it way prior. Yeah. She got the support. She found who could help her figure things out because she didn't do it by herself. And she got it done. And the relief of that, right? That was on her to-do list for such a long period of time. It might be so, you might be thinking, oh, that's such a small item, but it holds such a heavy weight in somebody's life. Yeah, so your weight will. might be different than mine, but we all have those, right? So get yeah. the support that you guys need to just move the needle. That's the goal. Yeah, and share, and share with them. Thank you. Yes. Appreciate the support. So awesome stuff. So uh, Kendra, thanks so much for being with us, spending time with us today in our community and all the wonderful people that are, are part of our journey here. So we always like to kick things off. Um, you know, I could say, why did you get started in real estate investing? But we really like to go a little deeper. We like to go deep and succinct in the, on our show, just kind of get to it. So, but what I want to ask you is what propelled you, you specifically, when and how you got involved in real estate investing? Yeah. Hey, you guys. Thanks again for having me. So I got into real estate investing super randomly. Mm -hmm. I do not come from a family of real estate investors. I do not come from a wealthy family. I come from a middle-class military family. And I played a game one day. The game is cash flow. I know you guys know cash flow. Mm -hmm. And I had a wake-up call playing that game because I had never considered the the idea of passive income. I had been taught, you know, you go to school, you get a good job. And then of course you work that job until you're like 70 and then you retire and then you live the life of your dreams. But what that game taught me on that random day, you know, at this game night um, was that you can make your money work for you. And from that day on, it was like, I got to get into real estate. And so that's really what propelled me. Wow, that, that that's fascinating, right? A game can really change somebody's uh, life. It's a great and, game. And just, have you played the game? Yes, absolutely. I mean, it's so like experiential. Yeah. I think that's what that game does so well. But anyway, I'm interrupting yes. you. You're about to ask so, something. So walk through your, your first deal, right? From that game into really, really doing it. Tell me exactly what have you done first in order to get the first deal under your belt? Yeah. So you have to know that. So at this time I was married. So my husband and I worked for the government. We made really good money. We had a really nice house in hindsight, way too big of a house for just two people, but we were living the American dream. Right. And we were taking international vacations a few times a year. We were just traveling at the, at the drop of a dime. We were like building custom closets in our house and we were saving money, but we were never saving to invest. We were never investing money. We were just, you know, living it up. So we were living well, but not building wealth. And it's not that we didn't think we could, we just never thought about it, right? And so played that game on a, I think it was like a Saturday. By Monday morning, we were looking for properties to buy. <laughs> no training, no education, no mentors, not even a friend or family member that we could ask. We just kind of jumped right in, which is good in a way. But anyone listening to this podcast right now, you're literally starting out better than I did. <laughs> because back then, like real estate investing education was like this mythical thing. I mean, it, it seemed a little scammy. Like you might go yeah. to some hotel seminar and they might try to upsell you for this million dollar thing. Um, it wasn't accessible. And so we just, we just dove right in. We started looking for properties, like I said, like two days later, and we ended up buying, a, oh, so we lived in Washington, D.C. 
And it was like 2013. We ended up buying a mm-hmm. duplex in Washington, D.C. as our first rental property. Wow. And how did you find it? How did you fund it? Yeah, good question. So we actually found it. We had a real estate agent, but we found it ourselves. Um, so our real estate agent was sending us listings, but we happened to see this one on Redfin. And we asked, you know, could we go view it? It was occupied on one side and it was unoccupied on the other Now, at the time, we had no idea about house hacking, but if we had, we would have saved a lot of money because um, the the duplex cost uh, $228,000 and the down payment, because we were not going to live in it because it's a rental, down payment was $57,000. We did not have $57,000, not because we couldn't have saved that much. It was just because we hadn't been saving. It was like a spur of the moment thing. So the way we ended up funding it was borrowing the money from our retirement accounts. And I will pause and say that anyone that considers this method, please consult with a financial advisor. Please make sure the numbers work for you. The numbers worked for us very beautifully because we said, okay, we'll make more money in this investment than the money's making in our retirement account. And like I said, it ended up working out great. But um, that was like our only option. We didn't know of any other way at the time, honestly. Like, how are we going to come up with this kind of money? So we borrowed that money from our retirement accounts to to get that duplex. And it was funny because we were thinking, okay, cool. There's a renter already on one side. The mortgage was exactly $1,025 a month. The renter that was on the one side was paying $1,000 a month. And we're like, we're, you know, we're pretty much breaking even. We're just going to coast it out and do some renovations on the other side. Once those cosmetic renovations are done, we'll get that rented out. But, you know, at least we're covering our expenses pretty much. Literally a week after we bought the property, the tenant just moved out. Like he just left in no warning. And then we were like, how do we find tenants? Like we didn't even, we hadn't even done any research. Like how do we even know what to charge them? How do we write a lease? How do we even search for tenants? Like, and so we ended up having to make a split second decision to put it on Airbnb to just make money in the interim while we were trying to figure it out. But that's kind of how we got started. <laughs> Love it. And, you know, the power of, of, you know, retirement accounts, right. It's just, yeah. it's staggering how much money is in retirement accounts. Um, yeah. You know, they say what, 2 trillion or something ridiculous, or it's just mm-hmm. really high. <laughs> it's a lot, a lot of money out there. Yeah. And it's just amazing how much us investors and, th- and then the percent, of actually people investing in real estate is very small still, like like less than 5%. And so there's a real opportunity, right? It's a Mm -hmm. huge opportunity. That's another another conversation for another day, but (laughs) the amount amount of money that's in retirement accounts for for us to borrow with other people, especially if we have a self-directed IRA, a lot of of women are, are, you know, they convert their retirement accounts, they switch jobs, get the 401k, they just put it into a self-directed. And then, wow, they have such an opportunity to lend that right? Equity, debt, doesn't matter, but they can do both. Again, consult with these types of companies, but we we built our business on that. And it's just, we, it's amazing how much, how many people don't tap into that. And, and the masses, I mean, not, you know, all us investors, right. It's like this little secret club, but the masses are not. And and I was talking to my brother-in-law and he has so much money in his retirement account. I'm like, what percent are you getting? He's like, yeah, I need to do something different. I'm like, I'm like, don't, don't, you don't even have to work with us. Work with, I could give you like literally 25 people to work with that you'll be getting triple what you're making. And it's funny, right? Because you guys are doing it. And then like your family members, you're like, 
what's going on with you? Or people that buy their houses without asking, what do you think here? Does he need anything? It's just crazy. I want to do like a family seminar. Me and Matt do a family like session of like everyone we're related to get into a room. It doesn't matter about working with us. It has nothing to do with that. Just like a little educational. But anyway, I digress. Um, So Kendra, so you do the duplex. And I feel like we have such parallel stories. I feel like our first duplex, we were learning as we were going, quite honestly. Um, and and so, so, so walk us through that. Like, what was your second deal? And what did you learn? Like, what was, the, what was the biggest lesson, if you had to do it over again, that you would have really done differently on that first deal that propelled you into the next deal? Yeah, I would have house hacked first because if we would have house hacked, we could have put like three and a half percent down, right? Which would have been $8,000 versus $57,000. But honestly, you guys, like I wasn't in that wealth building mindset. Like I wanted to invest in real estate, investing in real estate and being ready to build wealth from the ground up is so different. Mm. Like you have to be willing to sacrifice. And like I said, we were traveling, we had this huge house and to house hack in that situation, I would have had to do a major downsize. And I was like, I'm not, you know, I at the time, if someone would have brought that up to me, I'm not living in some tiny one bedroom apartment. I work, you know, I work a job every day that I hate. I got two degrees. I got a master's and a bachelor's. Like I'm not living in a one bedroom apartment, right? Um, going from this huge house. But once, once I kind of got into the thick of things, I realized, you know what, in order to get to the place you want to go, you have to often be willing to do things that people, other people wouldn't do. So our next deal ended up being a house hack. And this is how we came across it. This is how we even figured out what house hacking was and the benefits. We got addicted to real estate investing. Once we started seeing the returns we were making on Airbnb, we're like, uh, we should probably do this again. Like, this is crazy. So we're looking for properties and we're trying to figure out what can we afford? Like, how are we going to be able to afford something else in DC? And we came across a four unit building and we're like, we should probably partner with uh, my husband's sister, my sister-in-law, you know, and we're running the numbers like, okay, in order to afford this, we need to partner with a family member. But then the real estate agent was like, well, you know, you could probably afford this yourself if you house hack because of the way they calculate your income mm. on a multi-unit building. And we're like, what? We can afford an $800,000 building on our own with two other mortgages? Yes. And so that's how we figured out the power of house hacking, the low down payment the way the mortgage companies calculate that um, potential rental income when when qualifying Mm -hmm. you, right? And Mm -hmm. so we were able to afford this extremely expensive four unit, live in one unit, rent out the others, have our living expenses covered. So now that big house that we lived in originally is being rented out. The duplex is fully rented. We're living Mm -hmm. in the four unit for free, basically, because our tenants are paying that. We're making that cash flow. And so that's kind of like the next deal. And that's also... What I wish I would have done differently was house hack first, but it actually worked out perfectly because that four unit house hack changed the game for us. It, it changed the game. So, so let's dive into that a little more. So how did you find the deal? How did you, um, you know, so did you start to like build out a network in that area? You get that one duplex and did you use the same realtor? Did you start to like build out a team? Was it like a block away? Was it a completely different section of DC? Like how did you migrate to the next deal? It was a completely different section of DC. We we did use a real estate agent, and um, it was the uh, it wasn't the same agent from the first deal, but it was someone like within our network. And um, we found it just like looking through listings, and we went and saw it. And it's funny because our original idea for it was to eventually turn it into a bed and breakfast. We're like, mm. this would be perfect if we did some renovations, and we had this big dream. 
But once we started seeing how much money we were making, just leaving it as is, that's the thing about some rentals. Like, I think sometimes we want to make things so fancy and put like marble, you know, countertops and like all these things. And it's like, you can make a decent amount of money just making sure that it's clean, safe and functional. Like, you know, not everybody wants this magnanimous place to live in. As long as you're offering a really nice product, you know, very safe, you know, um, clean, safe and functional. You can make some good money and still provide affordable housing to people. And so we just kind of stuck with that. Yeah, I, you know, and I'm just a, as probably we should have done our finger thing where we like to take the, the ball from each other and, and, and fight, fight, fight for the next question. But I'm going to just keep going since I'm speaking. But my, my, I want to just reiterate what you just said, because it's really, really important that um, so many people get into multifamily. And then you start asking them, what kind of renovations are you doing? And I said, oh, we're going to do this and that. And I, oh, based on what? Oh, just seems like a good idea. Or like their their answers are not really backed by any sort of facts. And Mm -hmm. even if it's a fourplex, duplex, 10 unit, we we really started to get into this mindset as we got into larger multi, where we go to those, we go to those buildings. We go to the competition. I want to walk those units. I want to see what, because again, you think about this is a business. This isn't just renting an apartment. You're building a product for a customer, right? Yeah. Exactly what you're saying, Kendra. And I don't think enough people like, if you want to buy a, a duplex in this particular area in this city in you know, Atlanta, Georgia, I'd be starting to walk some other duplexes and other small multis in Atlanta, Georgia, in the same area that I'm looking to, to, to buy a property before I buy. That's what people could be doing now. So many people want to complain about the market and this and that. And then you start to ask them questions. They have no idea what they're even looking for. Yeah. So, so I just think that's so important. I think I got that later when we were getting into larger multi. I wish I did that when we were in even the, the, the you know less than ten unit multi because you're still being competitive with. You're still in competition. There are other people, yeah. and, and right now it may not be hard, but there are times and waves in this cycle that you want to have the best product for the best price in the area that you're in. And and so many people don't study their competition. Like they don't even know to do that. Well, do that because to your point, Kendra, if you checked off those three boxes, you knew in a sense that I don't need to put marble. And you know, I mean, that totally makes sense unless it's a different environment. It's a different type of rental, right? Totally Mm -hmm. makes sense. There are rentals that probably demand that. Exactly. Um, So I just want to reiterate that. It's funny that you're saying that, you know, in terms of finishes, I went to Texas once and I was like, I think was my first time in Texas, right? So here in Philly, you buy a shell, $200,000. And I went there in my friend's house and she bought this, I think three, four bedroom house, huge backyard, like two car garage, all of it, like 235. <laughs> I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> Wait a minute, 235 for, you know, and then I start looking around. I'm more like interested in like types of finishes and and things like Mm -hmm. that. It's different. It's completely different, right? So if I were to invest in in Texas, I cannot use the same finishes I use here in Philadelphia. Exactly. I just can. And and it applies everywhere. And if you're renting, it's one type of finish. If you're rehabbing, it's a different type of, of finish there. I always say to suggest to create a master uh, scope of work and finishes list so you can keep using it over and over again uh, for your project so you don't waste time picking up stuff. 
all over again so you can really scale. So I want to transition, uh, Kendra, to you You and your husband uh, were nine to five, right? Had nine to five jobs. And a lot of the, the folks that are listening to us today are either going to work or, or already transitioned to real estate, but a lot of you are either at work right now listening to us or, or going, you know, idealizing the time in the car to, to listening to us. So we appreciate you. So for, for all of you that are thinking, how can I put in place a plan so I can transition, right? I have a family, I have bills to pay. I cannot just say, well, let me just quit my job and just, you know, start investing in real estate tomorrow, right? Mm -hmm. For many people, that would be amazing, but that their responsibilities are there. So I'm curious for, for you, what have you done from the time that you say, okay, real estate is something that I would like to pursue. Did you have this master plan or you, you created it as you went through it? What would you recommend? Yeah, I love this conversation because I often get the question, well, how many rental properties do I need to leave my nine to five? And I'm like, I'm glad you asked because there is no magic number. So um, for anyone listening that's that's not aware, I actually was able to leave. My husband and I, we both left our nine to fives. Um, I was 32 years old at the time. Basically, I created my own retirement. So I no longer had to rely on my government retirement. And we did that from our real estate investments, right? And so what we did was we created a goal that was... A, was a number goal, right? What is our um, cash flow goal that will sustain our lifestyle? Once we reach that goal, now I'm going to be real with you guys. Once we actually hit that number, I wanted to quit that day. I'm like, let's see, let's do it's it. My today. <laughs> the bank account is showing that it gives yes. me authorization to say goodbye. <laughs> Thankfully, my husband is more like calculated and patient than I am because he said, no, let's like make sure it's sustainable because you guys know there are vacancies, things need to be fixed. So let's make sure that we can still survive the ebbs and flows of being full time real estate investors. Um, And so we actually waited three years from the time we reached our cash flow Mm. goal. We waited three years before we actually left our um, our nine to five. But it's really important to start with that number in mind. Like I want to make an extra X amount of dollars per month with real estate investing. And then once you set that number, it's easier to back into what that looks like where you are. Because listen, like having 10 rental properties in Washington, DC looks very different from 10 rental properties in Detroit or in Chicago or in yeah. you know Raleigh, North Carolina. And so you can't say, oh, I just need 10 properties because mm-hmm. 10 properties in Detroit might not get you to the number you specifically need. Two properties in DC might get you to that you number. Know, you know what I'm saying? And so it's yeah. super important. Set that number goal and then work backwards from there to see what it looks like for you specifically. Yeah. And that's so important, right? Because so many people get into the, I just came back from a conference and, you know, the conversations were circling around how many units do you own? How many units do you manage? I mean, it's all like, right. It's all just, I hate to say bravado, but, um, <laughs> you know, it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't a women's conference because uh, I don't think those <laughs> conversations happen like that. But my point in saying that is to your, to your point, that's really critical. I mean, you know, ladies, listen to that. That's a great suggestion of where do you own? What kind of asset do you own? And what, what cash flow is going, is it going to yield conservatively, right? Because then the, there's so many pieces we can dissect in what you said. Number one, you know, yes, the numbers show it's going to cash flow $200 a month. 
okay, what's the age of the property? Because I know we bought multis in an area that was kind of up and coming, supposedly, and we bought too high. And it was a 1960s fourplexes. Mm. So the amount of maintenance, the, the amount of deferred maintenance, because again, remember, uh, sellers are not going to tell you everything about the, the property. They're selling for a what? reason. What do you I know, saying? right? So you're, you're not going to tell me everything? Everything, right? Uh. So you have like deferred maintenance. You have an owner who wants to move on, a seller, excuse me, that wants to move on. And it was like in the 1960s, these, these properties were built. So, so our goals of like, this is the cash flow goal. For, for for a long time with those buildings, we did not achieve that due to the fact that we overpaid and we had a lot of deferred maintenance that we were paying out, right? So you have to consider all those things when you have that cash flow goal and you don't have enough money, maybe put aside in terms of like, okay, this is our capital expenditure, like those one-time events that are really going to cost me a roof, hot water heater, you know, the list goes on. Um, so you have to be mindful of all those things, not just like, this is going to yield $200 and, and you know, awesome. I can go lay on the beach. But to your point, Kent, I love what you're saying because it could, it's really about the market and it's about, you know, the type of asset you're, you're, you're um, marketing and that you're, your product, if you will, right. To compare it to the, to the business world, it's your product. Um, that doesn't get talked enough. We talk about units. We talk about, um, what, you know, what do you own and how much of it do you own versus where do you own it <laughs> and what yield are you owning it? Because you could get to your financial goals maybe in less units. Now, if you raise money and you start to get into larger projects, you're going to be giving up some ownership. Not a bad thing. That's the world that I'm in or we're in, me and my husband. And, and it's not a bad thing. It's just you own less of the building and you're trading things, right? So yep. again, I say that in a, a way that there's no one way um, exactly. versus like what number of units. That's the wrong question. You should be yes. saying, where do you own? I always say, what do, do you it? get right. out of this question, right? If somebody says two, 200, 2000, okay, great. What do you get out of it? What do you get out of it? Yeah, so that's, I love that. Um, so so you got into the fourplex, now you're house hacking. How did you do, I, I think something else I want to ask you is, you know, you had a lifestyle before you started investing, right? You said, you, you know, you traveled internationally, you didn't want to house hack because for the very reason, like, hey, I've earned this, you know, this is where I want to live. And how did you get over the mental abilities? Because I know so much in building wealth, at least from my own experience, it is a little bit of a delayed gratification. It is stepping back so you could step forward. I mean, at least my own experience, right? So how did you like mentally prepare yourself saying, okay, this is what we're doing. We're changing this. Our, our lifestyle is changing so that we can build yeah. wealth. Like, because most, some people listening to this or some people out there that are all on our, our circles if they were given the choice, they'd say, no, I'm staying in that house. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to what? I have to live with my tenants? Yeah. Like, I'm sure you got that, right? I'm sure you got the like, what are you doing? <laughs> so yes. how did you stay strong and, and with your husband and really come mm. into a place of like, I'm doing this? Like, what mental work did you do? Did you, what, you know, surrounding yourself? Like, what, what inner work did you do to, to kind of move beyond your own thought processes? <laughs> Listen, so my husband is very low maintenance. So it was never a problem for he'd still be house hacking today. Yeah. Like, and I'm like, we have a baby. Like <laughs> right now, we're not at this stage. Honestly, it, house hacking for me today would look like like a side by side with the living on top or below people with a baby right now. You know, it's not in the cards for me. And it was really a struggle, not only because of the space downsize, but also because we ended up occupying the unit that was on the bottom floor. 
and the noise and everything. Like I'm a very noise sensitive person. That's another thing to think about when you're house hacking. And so it was a struggle, but what kept me together through it was once we started, once I started seeing that cash flow, and I when I went into work on those really bad days, just the freedom to know that I could walk out of there if I wanted to. Mm. Like, I don't have to be here. When somebody got on my nerves, my boss wasn't respecting me, or I felt like I wasn't getting, you know, the credit I deserved or the pay I deserved. I was just like, I could literally walk out today if I wanted to. And so that was what was helpful. (laughs) And how did you deal with the family, right? Because a lot of people might be saying, what's going on with you guys? Are you guys going broke? Or why would you do that to yourself? You have a, you know, a master's degree and you, you earn your money. Why are you doing this? Cause I'm asking you, I don't know if that was your experience or not, but a lot of, a lot of people, right. They make decisions based on what others are going to think of them or, or the family or the status that they want to continue pursuing. So did you have to cut <laughs> relationships or, or build, you know, new friendships? How was that portion for you? Yeah. Oftentimes what you'll see is the people closest to you will project their fears on you the most, especially if you're the first investor in your friend circle, if you're the first investor in your family circle, you know, it'll be the people closest to you that'll cast the most doubt. And what I find is that you can't let them limit you based on their fears, right? And just by, you know, keep doing the work and keep going at it, you are going to basically shine a light based on your success, right? And you can show them based on your success, like, hey, and they may come around, they may not. It is really tough. Um, I think that's a tough hurdle to get over. But like our family on our first property, um, the duplex we bought, it wasn't in the best neighborhood. And they were like, are you guys crazy? Now that neighborhood is like one of the hottest neighborhoods in DC. And they're all like, man, we should have bought there. The On the second property we house hacked, they're like, you guys are going backwards. You got this beautiful house, right? Now that's what catapulted us to financial freedom. When we quit our jobs, our family was like, why would you quit? You have a great job. Why don't you just pay your dues? You're not old enough yet. And it's like, right. who said? Mm-hmm. And so I think it's a generational thing too. My parents are from a different generation where they're like, you work hard all your life. You pay your dues. And I'm like, who do I owe dues to? Like, <laughs> and, and so, yeah, we're still battling some of it, but our success has been has basically been able to be that shining light and and more of our family is coming around now. That's awesome. I, I, I'm, I'm listening to a book called The Psychology of Money, and it tells about the each generation deals with money and investment in different ways. So, you know, people that went to a recession or, or different types of wars will behave different, differently. And, and it's something that they pass to their children, but their children mm-hmm. don't live in that era anymore. Mm-hmm. So it's just like, how can you break the cycle and really ask yes. the question, right? Who said, right, that I, I am not exactly. old enough to 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 quit my job? Crazy. So in terms me... of oh, where sorry. you are right now and um, the pandemic, what the pandemic taught you and uh, mm-hmm. changed your business? Yes, uh, this is great. A great segue because and, and back to your point about like family and things like that. See, before the pandemic, let me give you an example of like this whole mindset, you know, difference. Before the pandemic, my husband and I, well, right now we live in Texas. Our rentals are in DC and Maryland. 
And we live in San Antonio, Texas now. But a few years ago, we had actually relocated to Fort Worth, Texas. Um, and then we went back to DC and we came back to Texas. Anyway, lived in Fort Worth, Texas. We were self-managing our properties from Texas. And our way was we had a team on the ground. So if something happened, we knew who to call. But in some instances, my husband, if he could fix it himself, he would just fly back. He's like, ah, the flight's what, 200 bucks? I'll get on a plane and do it myself. And that's just the way we did it. And our family was like, why are you guys always flying? Why are you going? And I'm like, okay, think about this. When I was an international economist for the Department of Agriculture, my job flew me all around the US, flew me all around the world, sometimes at a few weeks notice. No one ever questioned why I was traveling so much mm. for my job. But when I'm traveling so much for the business that I own, it's like, you guys are doing too much. You need to sit down. But you, you're get, you get applauded for traveling for the company you work mm. for. And I think that is so strange. So the mm. pandemic changed our business model because now we're back in Texas. Our rentals are still on the East Coast. And we weren't really able to travel freely like that. Um, and we weren't really able to find a property manager that worked well with us or that we trusted. And so what we've been doing is basically selling some of the properties um, there. And now we're going to start building our, for our portfolio up here. So that's how the pandemic has shifted our business. We haven't been able to get back and forth to actually get eyes on our property as much as we like to. So we're kind of pivoting. Great. And I know that you mentioned in some of our back and forth, and I think one of the first conversations you and I had about um, some of the new investing strategies, which I think is so much part of this business, right? You start to have success in one niche and you get success and you're like, okay, we've done that. We're, we've been there, done that. And then you, you're like, okay, where can we redeploy some of our, our focus? And it happens all the time. And I think if, if you do it right, pivoting can be very powerful. It could be just like the right time, the right market, the right fill in the blank. Some people do it too quickly, too soon, and and you know they don't set themselves up for success. Um, so I'm curious to hear from you a little bit about the um, shipping container homes. I know when you and I chatted, um, it was the second person, you and another woman, in the same week that we had this conversation. Um, and uh, Aaron, uh, Andressa, uh, yeah. you know, and it's just like I don't know that many people, and but, but literally I talked to two people in one week, so I'm like that's interesting. So and I was very intrigued. So share a little bit about. As you're transitioning and pivoting, so many women listening right now, so many women in our community, are uh, they've had success in, in one niche and they really do want to pivot into something else, but it could be scary again. It's like that 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 kind of like the entry is is again like, oh, I don't know if I could do this. Meanwhile, you totally can because you're just pivoting. But how did you move through that? And also about shipping container homes because I I'm still super fascinated by it. I don't we don't own any, but I'm just like I just love learning about that niche. Uh, it's super fascinating. So tell us a little about how you are powerfully setting yourself up to success to pivot and then tell us more about the niche as well, if you can. Yeah, I'm loving the idea of shipping container homes right now. I haven't actually purchased my first one because I'm still looking for some land, um, but I located a few companies that create them. I actually found one on the side of the road that like someone is like first sale by owner. That's what gave me the idea because I'm like, wait, this entire little tiny house is like 30K. That's really good, right? And it's already, you know, people are kind of in this whole tiny house craze as far as short-term rentals. It's all about the experience. And I thought that was a really good price for the return that I would be able to get, you know, find some land, put that shipping container on there and be able to rent it out either on Airbnb or do a location rental like peer space. People need space for film shoots, photo shoots, meetings mm. or just a quiet place to have a Zoom meeting. Everyone's on Zoom. Everyone's working from home, you know. And so I just saw the opportunity there. But for me, even with the cost of lumber going up, 
right? Shipping container homes could be a way to kind of like get around this. Well, they say it's coming, the price is going back down now, but, um, you know, I, I just think it's a really great opportunity to get like a low barrier to entry and make a good return on your investment. And just out of curiosity from that perspective, like you're pivoting in a new area with a new mm-hmm. niche. So how, mm-hmm. how have you been able to like, what are some of the things that, you know, you're doing to kind of mitigate risk, right? Because I think as you become more experienced in this business and you start to get some rentals on your belt and you know what you're doing, um, the things that we worry about now, at least the things I worry about now are so different than when we started. Mitigating risk, I didn't even know what that meant. I didn't even, know, I, I didn't even use those words. Yes. If someone said, you really need to mitigate your risk, I've been like, I'm sorry, what? I don't know what you're saying. Like I did everything opposite of mitigating risk. How can I get into things and make the most risky decision? But now it's different, right? You get older, you have a family. You're like, I just want to do things that are mitigating our risk or decreasing our risk. So what did, like, what were some of those kind of that thought process for you? Because I think that's really helpful to, for the women Mm -hmm. to listen to and hear, because it is a thought process, you know, like you said, okay, $30,000 finding the land, like, did you find, you know, build some new relationships in that area? Did you, how did you set yourself up for success? Yeah. So here's what I do. Like now that I'm wiser, like you said, like older and wiser, when I identify a property, whether it's a shipping container home or any other kind of home to mitigate risk, I make sure that I can easily pivot with my rental strategy and still be profitable. Like if I see a property and my first idea for it is Airbnb, that's cool. And if the numbers look great for Airbnb, that's fantastic. But what if Airbnb doesn't work out? Can I still rent it on Section 8 and still be profitable? Can I still rent it to travel nurses and still be profitable? Can I rent it to a regular cash tenant? And like, you have to make sure that you can easily pivot and you really know your area because plan A might not work out. Right. And that's something I didn't know years ago. That's something I didn't know to look for, like looking at what does the city have planned for that area in the next five to 10 years? Because the things that we see happening now, the buildings we see that are uh, getting constructed, those decisions happened a decade ago. Right. And so that's what I'm doing now. Like I am constantly making sure that I can easily pivot and still be profitable. Love that. God, I wish someone wrote that down for me too. And I started <laughs> brilliant idea and it's so common sense, but it's not common practice when you're starting and you're growing and it's like, oh, brilliant. So uh, Kendra, this is awesome. I so appreciate all your great insight, great tips. Uh, where can the ladies listening learn more about you and follow you along on your journey? Yeah, I hope you guys come over and find me on Instagram at the key resource. I share a lot of like behind the scenes and tips and things there. If you find me there and you heard me on this podcast, you can DM me and and say hello. I would love to chat with you guys. Once you find me on Instagram, my website, everything, all that stuff is right in the link in my bio. Um, I look forward to connecting with you guys. And listen, I just want everyone to remember that no matter what your family history is, no matter what your financial history is, you are worthy of wealth. Mm. And you can build it from the ground up with what you have right now. Wonderful. All this information you guys can find on our show notes. Now we're going to transition to our fabulous three questions. And the first one, Kendra, is what is the most transformational book you ever read? It is The Big Leap. The Big Leap. Um, it's not like a real estate investing centered book, but it's all about mindset. And that book was life-changing for me. Wonderful. The second question is what's the most powerful routine that you do to create a financially free and balanced life? Um, the most powerful routine, um, weekly business meetings for me right now, um, for my husband and I, that's, uh, that's our routine. Love it. 
the last one is which woman famous or not has inspired you the most? Maya Angelou. <laughs> Love her. Mm, yeah, I know. She's amazing. Yeah. Trust people when they show you what, what oh, I'm paraphrasing her. I'm not mm. going to say it. Trust. No, believing people when they show when you they who show they, you they who are, are for the first yep. time. Mm-hmm. That is true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wise woman. Um, Kendra, thank you so much for being on our show. Thanks for sharing all your great tips and your journey. Uh, very inspiring. I just love what you're up to. I just want to see all the neat things you do. And I want to learn more about shipping containers. We got to stay in touch because <laughs> this is a great niche and it's so, it's affordable housing. It's another yeah. topic, but that is what this country needs. So love it. Love what you're doing. Thanks so much for coming on our show. Thank you, ladies. Talk to you later. Thank you. If you enjoyed this podcast and want to receive updates on our next interviews, go to our website, therealestateinvestor.com. There, you can subscribe to our show, become part of our investor community, and get updates on upcoming episodes. If you like our show, please share it with other women who would benefit. And don't forget to leave us a rating on iTunes. We'd really appreciate it. And as always, we encourage you to take one action as a result of today's show and put it into motion so you can live both a financially free and balanced life. Thanks for spending time with us. Ciao.